you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. So glad that we're together in this space today and those joining us in line wherever that you might be. This day, Memorial Day weekend, is different than Veterans Day. On Veterans Day, we recognize all veterans who have served, and we're thankful, and we are thankful today. On July 4th, we celebrate the birthday of the United States of America, but on this day, we remember. I'm thankful some of us will get a day off tomorrow. Uh, There'll be some barbecues. Perhaps you're at the beach, you're in the mountains celebrating somewhere. But on this day, we remember the men and women, the moms and the dads, grandmas and grandpas who gave their life for our freedom. And so before we go any farther in this gathering, if you have a relative, no matter how many generations back, has given their life, they died serving in the United States military service, would you just stand so that we could honor your family sacrifice? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, my goodness, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Hey, put your hands together like you're at a ball game. Doggone it. It's the freedom. Thank you, and thank you, and thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You you understand, I realize our country has its issues and its challenges, but no human beings on the face of this green globe has the freedoms that you and I have. And they have been purchased by these families who gave a loved one who stepped into military service and did not come home. It's Linda and my practice. Now, you don't have to go to Bushnell. You can go to a local cemetery, and particularly young families. Or if you've got teenagers in your home, carve out some time this afternoon or tomorrow. Linda and I go to Bushnell, just a few miles south on Interstate 75. Get off the Bushnell exit, the the National Cemetery. And we'll take our Bibles and our journals tomorrow morning and a cup of coffee. And there are benches, and we will sit and reflect and remember and be grateful. Moms and dads, I love you. But our sons and daughters have forgotten Not because school teachers did not teach, but rather because moms and dads did not parent. And so use this weekend beyond just all of the time off from work and the cookouts and to remember here, you're here because somebody isn't. And on this weekend, it's also appropriate if we celebrate as citizens of the United States of America the sacrifice that others gave for our freedom in this life, it's also an appropriate time to remember Jesus who gave his life so that you and I could experience 
the ultimate freedom. So if you grab your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 26 or turn on your digital device, Matthew chapter 26. And I want to share a very common moment in the life of Jesus with his disciples, just as if he's with us here today. In the time in Matthew 26, Jesus is headed towards the cross. He and the disciples are celebrating what's known as Passover. For these Jewish men, it was an annual celebration, an annual remembrance. As little boys, they had been taught by their parents about this time in history where God had brought freedom to the Jewish people. Here, notice what the Bible says in Matthew 26 and 26. While they were eating, that's Jesus and his disciples, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In this context, it didn't seem barbaric to the Jewish men. Now, to us in the West, and if you're here this morning or watching online and like you're not familiar with the Bible or following after Jesus, what I just read sounds rather barbaric. Jesus is telling people to eat his body and to drink his blood. That doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Now, some of us, we have grown up in church. We know this as communion, or you call it the Lord's Supper. You're accustomed to being in a church, and maybe they had trays, and they would pass the trays um, in between the aisles, and you take a little piece of, uh, of cracker, and then later you take a little cup of juice. Or perhaps your tradition, you grew up in a church where you walked down an island, uh, an island. <laughs> I think I'm still on Sanibel Island. <laughs> you walk down an aisle, and a priest would share the Eucharist with you. In this text, in Jesus' life, this is an ordinary moment for these Jewish men. They are celebrating the Passover, the historic Passover of when God brought freedom and protection to the Jewish people. Now, some of us might not fully understand or even know what that whole Passover moment is. Stepping back in history, there's this guy named Joseph. And Joseph is a Jewish boy living in Egypt. In our world today, it'd be like one of our sons or daughters living in New York City. And a catastrophic event happens worldwide, and God blesses Joseph with this intellect to be able to bring protection to Egypt in the midst of a worldwide famine. And because of his intellect, because of his skill sets, this Jewish boy rises to second in command of the world, only second to the king of Egypt. And then in time, as we all know, the king of Egypt dies and Joseph dies. And the new king and the people in Egypt, they forgot how this Jewish boy was significant in bringing a rescue to the nation. And the people became fearful of these Jewish people. And the king decided to put all of the Jews in slavery and in bondage. 
And he used them and he abused them and he traumatized them. And day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, generation after generation, these Jewish people had no hope, no dreams, no sense of tomorrow. And God heard them crying out. And so God raised up a deliverer. His name is Moses. Perhaps you saw the movie. The story is actually in the Bible. And Moses goes to the king and he goes to Pharaoh and says, yo, let God's people go. And Pharaoh's like, no. And multiple times, Moses would go back and say, let God's people go. And the king would say, no. And God would send plagues and the king would be resistant. But ultimately, we get to this point in the story where God says, okay, I want my people free. And so although it seems traumatic to us, God says, I'm going to send a death angel. And that death angel is going to go to Egypt. And every firstborn male in the human family and even amongst the animals on that night would die. Except for he gave instructions to Moses to tell all the people as they were preparing the evening meal that lamb that would be served at the dinner table, he said, take some of that blood and put it over your doorway. And on that night, when the death angel comes, he will pass over your home. Your home will be protected. Your firstborn will be saved and you will be delivered. And so in the word of God, Exodus chapter 12, if you want to Turn there or look at the big Bible on the screen. It says in verse 21, Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop. It's like a a bush. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood and in the basin and put some of the blood on the top on both sides of the doorframe. None of you shall go out of the door of your home until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. I appreciate the songs that we were singing this morning, and no, none of the artists invited me in as they shaped those songs, and even I appreciate Corbin's words. But one of the, one of the, the misstatements that we often make as, as Christ followers is that we need God's help. Hear me clearly. You don't need God's help. You need God's rescue. He says that for it's a it's a weekend barbecue and uh, we need a little help. The the meat's a little bit dry, so let me put a little spice on it. Let me tell you, we don't need God's help. We need His rescue. He's not an add-on to our life. He is everything. The Israelites did not need God's help. They needed His rescue. So they were instructed: you take this blood and you put it over the door frame, and I will. Pass over your house, your family will be protected, and you will be delivered. Now let your eyes drop down just a little bit farther in Exodus chapter 12. And moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, this is so important to us. 
So important for us. Because these Jewish boys who were with Jesus in Matthew chapter 26, their moms and dads had listened to God, and year after year, they had explained the Passover. To this day, even in secular Israel, families are taught the Passover, that this is the time. We have the Passover every year because we are remembering that time when God showed up and he rescued us as a people. Notice in verse 26, Moses says to the elders, and when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you, then tell them. It's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshiped. And so Jesus, in this ordinary moment, is with his disciples, and he's taking this meal, this Passover meal, and he's beginning to give verbiage to it. He's not promoting cannibalism when he says take this bread it's been broken for you eat this in remembrance of me he is pointing their eyes he's beginning to open up their eyes and their heart that now in present time Jesus himself is the Passover lamb this isn't just a historic moment this is what God's doing in this moment. Jesus is saying, look at me. I am the Passover lamb. And this wasn't the first time they had heard it. John had said earlier in John 1 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, everybody put down your phones. Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Later in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. This communion that we're about to partake in just a moment, this, this cup, and those who join us online, I, take some moments. Get, it could be just, it could be water, it can be a cracker. Get some juice and, and get some. We are going to remember on this Memorial Day weekend that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And I understand, listen, if you're new to following Jesus, it it, it can feel like, wow, we're drinking his blood and we're eating his body. That's not the case at all. It's symbolic of his sacrifice for you, for me, because the only solution for the pain of sin that's in the world today is Jesus. This debate that's raging in our culture, I get it. Men and women with really good intentions, they don't want to see the evil that we're seeing in our communities. They don't want to see it perpetuate. I get it. I don't either. But the debate is, what's the ultimate solution? God knows that there's a problem. The Israelites are in bondage. God knows that this is not good. God wants us to be free. God knows that the sin of you and you and you and you and of me has put mankind in bondage. He has a plan for all of the suffering. Notice Romans 3 and 10. It's written that there's none righteous, not even 
one. There's nobody righteous. I don't care how good your grandma was. I, I want you to know, the, the Pope, uh, uh, Mother Teresa, me, you, all of us, no one is righteous. The Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, we have all fallen short. Israel could not rescue themselves. And you and me, we cannot rescue ourselves from sin. And America cannot rescue itself from sin by adding more laws to the law book. That's why we exist as a church, to partner with people to discover that in Christ, there is a problem. There is evil in the world today. It's not about incarcerating more evil people. It's about delivering evil people, you and me, to find the hope and the freedom. That's what we want for our communities. That's what we desire. That's why we exist as a church. So we, we understand that there's a problem, and God knows there's a problem. And here's the good news this morning. God has a solution to that problem. I have felt most of this week that I needed a shower as I reflect on where I was Tuesday morning. I was asked to come and address around 80 or so Marion County deputies and Ocala police officers who wake up in the special crime units in our county to focus on the abuse of children. They flew in an expert in pedophilia, an expert in child abuse. If we could just pause for just a moment this morning and let our hearts be broke, that there's actually a man who's labeled on his business card as an expert who understands why another human being would sexually violate a little boy or little girl. I was called upon to stand in front of the law enforcement and to open up this seminar. My job was somehow to encourage them in the work that they do, understand that they're making a difference. But then how do they take off that hat what they do all day long and then go home and play with their children in the backyard? going through the seminar and seeing the decisions that men and women make from all walks of life. And there's evil in the world. God knows there's a problem. And God has a solution for that problem. In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The sin that's in the world, it, it's, its stench is death. But the good news is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We have a solution, and his name is Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You understand? Jesus never sinned. He was tempted in all ways like we've been tempted. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted with every sin, but he never 
sinned. He's innocent. Every world religion that's out there tells you as a human being, you need to do this. You need to travel there. You need to pray now, except for the God of the Bible. He says, you as a human being, you can't fix this. You have no ability to fix this, so I will send my one and only son, and my son will go through everything you've gone through. Here's the difference. He won't sin the way that you did. He'll be an innocent lamb who'll be slain, and so that when you apply Jesus to your life, I will pass over your sin. I'll adopt you as my son. I'll adopt you as my daughter, and you will not die. You will live in freedom. Oh, he, he has a solution. God did not send Jesus into this world to condemn the world, but rather that we might be saved through him. God knows there's a problem, and God has a solution for that problem, and his name is Jesus. So you ask yourself the question this morning, how can you and I be a part of this solution? We want to be a, a solution maker. We want to see this world get better. I, 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 I said it, and I said it respectfully. I, I pre we give money, and we give time to Kimberly Center, but I want to put Kimberly Center out of business. I, I don't want the Kimberly Centers of the world I, I don't want those 70, 80 police officers to wake up and have to go and, 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 and investigate how a little boy or a little girl was sexually violated by an adult. I want to I put them out of business. So how do, how, how, how do we make this world better? How do we get a part of God's solution? If you're taking notes, here's a couple, two, three things to write down, and then we'll have communion together. Number one is this is you've got to, I've got to accept God's solution in Jesus. Your mom can't do it for you. Your dad can't do it for you. Only you can accept Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if you declare, it's a question, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess in your faith and are saved. We've got to accept his solution. Now, I want you to, full disclosure, this doesn't make any sense. Step out into your friends' lives. Step out into the local coffee house. Sit next to the person on the airplane when you travel next, at the ball game, wherever you might be, and say to them, hey, listen, I've leveraged my entire life. I organize my time. I spend my money all around the belief that God sent his son Jesus. He died on a cross. He was buried. And he became alive again. And they can look at you and say, cray cray. Move away from me. See, here's the danger that's happened in the West. Is we've tried to make following Jesus cool. Well, we've tried to make it ordinary. Like, hey, listen. It's all right. It's cool. No, it's weird. For a human being in the West to wake up today with all of our technology and all of our intellectual prowess is to... So I'm, I'm basing my entire life on the reality that God 
saw there was a problem with sin. We can't fix the problem called sin. So he sends his son, Jesus. He lets his son die on a cross. If it's just about dying, he could have died in all kinds of ways. But he died on the cross. His blood was shed. He was buried. If I'll take the blood of Jesus and apply it over my life, I'll be rescued and freed. Oh, yeah, that's what I believe? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, is exactly what I believe. We've got to accept his gift. We've got to personalize it. We've got to bring it in. John chapter 1 and verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Hear me on this. All the identity issues we've got, all the hurt and the problem, the pain, what if you really, what if I, what if we really left today believing that I, my identity is not rooted in God. When someone pushes back against you, you simply say, my daddy's God, who's your daddy? All the pressure, all the stress, all the anxiety, all the ways we've been turned upside down emotionally. What if we left here today saying, listen, I've believed, and because I've believed in Jesus, he's given me a new identity. My daddy's name is God the Father. You've got to, I've got to, we've got to accept his solution. 1 John 5 and 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name and the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Hey, this is not arrogant. This is not narcissistic. I'm just telling you, I know. I know, if, I don't, if I'm not here tomorrow, y'all can have your rubber chicken and your green beans and your potato salad, and you can shed a tear. But let me tell you something. I ain't coming back because I know of who I'm believed. I'm in a real place called heaven. I'm there forever. I'm not five foot seven. I'm six foot four. I'm just telling you, I have believed, and he has given me that sense of hope in eternal life. First, I've got, first, 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 we've got to accept. I've got to accept his solution is Jesus. Now, here's the second part. I realize a lot of us online in this space, we've done that. Here's what's more challenging. We've got to accept his solution as Jesus, but number two, we've got to examine ourselves and repent. Mm -hmm. This is the hard part. No, no, none of us wants to be wrong, right? Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 28. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And if, in a few moments, we're going to have communion together. The Bible teaches us that we should examine ourselves. But here's the problem with it still on the screen. Most of us subconsciously have not read everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Here's how most of us in our mind read that. Everyone ought to compare themselves to someone else to see how much better they are. See, most of us, we, we, we wouldn't want to examine ourselves. We compare ourselves to, oh, look at that guy on that side of the railroad tracks. Oh, oh my, look, look what she's smoking. Look who he's sleeping with. Oh, look what they've done. Nowhere did the Bible ever say for us to uh, compare ourselves. It says to examine ourselves. We've got to examine my heart, my mind, my attitudes, my actions. It's not about what he said or she said. It's about how I'm living, Romans 6 and 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? In other words, there was an issue going on with these believers in Rome that Paul's addressing, much like in Ocala, Florida. The issue is they were claiming to be Christ followers. They had raised their hand. They had been to vacation Bible school. They went to youth group, and somewhere they prayed the Lord's Prayer, but they kept on doing all the stuff as if they were a devil's child. 
No, hey, Paul, I believed. I mean, I got God's grace. I got God's forgiveness. He knows it's all right. I mean, I prayed back in vacation Bible school. It was around, you know, at the camp meeting. It was around the fire. We sang Kumbaya. And I said, oh, Jesus, forgive me. And the next weekend, I was in the club getting lucky. And Paul says, oh, wait a second. Wait, no, 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 no. Do you think that somehow... Jesus died so that we could keep on sinning and he could say, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Hey, you can have all that bitterness in your heart. It, 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 it's okay. You can talk about your in-laws that way. It, it's okay. You can say those things. You can do those. He says, oh, no, 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 no. He says, listen, you must examine yourselves. And in those moments and places, we must repent. We must agree that's not God's way. That's not the following Jesus way. And then we repent and we turn. We've got to examine ourselves. That's what this moment is. All throughout history, the Jewish people have paused at Passover to remember the application of the blood and how that forever changed them as a people. And the parents would teach the children over and over and over and all the way to 2022 in secular Israel today. They remember and they celebrate when God, Jehovah, passed over their home and spared their people. The Bible says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, any woman is in Christ, he, she is a new creation, a new person. The old has come. And what I love about this moment that we're about to have together is simply this. What I actually love about Jesus, love about God is in 1 John. I remember the very, I, I, I met Jesus in 87. So I remember when I read this, when it says, if we claim on the Bible on the screen, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, I always, I always knew I had sinned. That wasn't the issue. Here's the issue. If we confess our sins, I was like, what, what? Before I met Jesus, I wasn't confessing nothing. I was covering it up. I'd look you in the eye. I'd lie, lie, lie. No, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. I wouldn't do that. I'd like, why? Because you don't ever confess because they're going to use it against you. Why would you ever confess up your mess up? Man, you, and if you don't, hey, even if you, even if it's known that you did it, then you would blame somebody else. You'd complain about it or you would defend it. Then God walks in my life and he says, hey, Mark, if you, Mark David, would confess your sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. You mean you're not going to put me on the couch? You're not putting me in the doghouse? You're not penalizing me? You're not putting me in jail? You mean you actually invite me to come into your presence and say, hey, God, I did this, and I did that, and I smoked this, and I snorted that, and I swallowed this, and I slept with this, and I looked with that, and I... That's exactly what he says. You talk about freeing I don't know what you might need to fess up to God this morning. And here, here's the beauty. Because I realize some of you come from a tradition where you, you were taught you had to fess that up to another human being. Here, when Jesus died, the Bible says the veil that separated people from God was torn. See, up until that point, the only access to God was through a high priest. So you'd have to go to him. Some of us have grown up in a tradition that you had to go through the priest you had to go into a cubicle and you had to fess up the mess up, right? Well, the Bible doesn't teach us that. The Bible says that you and I have instant access to God through Jesus. 
If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Some of us haven't begun a relationship with Jesus because we were afraid to confess up. So right here in this space and online, if you've yet to begin following Jesus and you'd like to, right here this morning, in your mind, in your heart, have this conversation with God. Hey, God, it's me. Yeah, God, I've sinned against you. I know it. I, I, I thought I had to cover it up or I thought I had to behave better, but that guy up there saying I don't have to because you said I didn't have to. You said I could just believe, so I believe. I believe that you died on that cross and three days later you became alive again. And I'm applying Jesus to the doorframe of my life and I'm asking you to pass over the sins that I've done. And to all who've just prayed that prayer, just like God passed over the Jewish people thousands of years ago, and ever since, just as God has passed over the sins of me and other Christ followers, you applying Jesus to the doorframe of your life, the promise of God is you are forgiven, you are adopted, and your sins have been forever separated as far as the east is from the west and buried in the depths of the sea. Welcome to God's family. You can use the card. We'd love to help you continue to grow. You can use the card at your chair and you can fill it out. Stop by guest services. We'd like to celebrate that today you applied Jesus to the doorframe of your life. You'll meet others at guest services who made the same decision. Or in the privacy of your phone, you can text us that today you made Jesus the Savior of your life. We'll come alongside and celebrate with you. You see, this communion that we're about to partake right now, it's not owned by a denomination. It's not owned by a human being. Jesus gathering the disciples on the night in which he was betrayed, he was in the Passover moment. He was teaching the Jewish men to take their eyes off of what happened in history and put their eyes on him for he now was, is, the Passover lamb. Later in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church then and writing to the church now, he took the church through and he said, this should become your custom. Pause your life, examine your life, and remember, nowhere does Jesus, God, scriptures, ever ask us to remember Jesus' birth. I'm glad that we do. I love Christmas. He does ask us to remember the source of our freedom. He did back in Israel's history ask Israel, the parents, to teach the children over and over to remember the source of your freedom. On a secular plane, moms and dads, that's why I tell you, it's important to teach your children to remember the source of their freedom as a citizen of the United States. Both in the secular space and in the spiritual space, we begin to walk into bondage when we forget the source of our freedom. 
That's true as a country, a citizen in time, and it's true as a Christ follower for all time. So we pause to remember. And so this cup, just like on the night that Jesus was betrayed, there is a tab, a see-through tab. You pull that back, and it'll expose a wafer cracker like this. Jesus said to the men, he was taking their eyes off Jewish history and taking their eyes to see Jesus as the Passover lamb. He said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later in the meal, that second tab you can pull back, it exposed the juice. And he said, this changes everything. Again, he's taking Jewish men's eyes off of the history of Passover to focus on him, Jesus Christ, as the Passover. And for us in 2022, to all who believed, Jesus says, this is the new covenant. This is the new promise. Drink this in remembrance of me. In a moment when we go on with our day, there'll be some cans in the back and you can drop off your cup. But before we go, if you'd let me, I'd like to show you something that I think, maybe you've already seen it and maybe you already know it. But for me, at least this week, it became an eye-opening revelation. I have been serving as a pastor since 1990. For 32 years, I've led people in communion. But for some reason, what I'm about to share with you, I've missed it. We all want to be a part of God's solution. Many of us, most of us, have accepted, have accepted God's solution in Jesus. Many of us, Take the time to examine our lives, right? When we haven't showed up the way that we wanted to show up and we ask God to forgive us, not just on communion Sunday, but in the privacy of your own life. I think perhaps we've missed the third step in the solution. And it's right in communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, listen to the familiarity, listen to what we've done this morning but then in the end, I hope what we haven't done sticks out in your mind. So in 1 Corinthians 11 and 24, Jesus, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember, he's focusing on him. He's the Passover lamb. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of of me. We've just fulfilled all that. But it's verse 26 that opened up my heart this week. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Proclaim. Share. We've gathered in churches like this for decades, a century, and we've accepted 
God's solution in Jesus. We've examined our hearts and minds and we've repented. But if we got honest for a millisecond of time this morning, we've stubbed our toe when it comes to proclaiming Jesus. We've compartmentalized Jesus pretty well, but proclaiming him at the gym, at your workplace, on a bass fishing boat, in a hospital, in a nonprofit. See, there's all kinds of solutions, and everybody wants to kind of add Jesus along the way. In the West, in America, we have specialized in adding Jesus. Here, sprinkle some Jesus on your constitution, and it'll be just fine. How's that worked out for us? Here, sprinkle, sprinkle Jesus on some of the social justice issues, and it'll get all, how's that worked out? Sprinkle Jesus on some of the gender, sprinkle Jesus on the family, sprinkle Jesus on uh, criminals. God has not called us to sprinkle Jesus. God has called us to spread Jesus, because the only person who will change human behavior, his name is Jesus. And so in a moment, in a moment, I'll have you stand, and I'm going to ask Corbin and the team to come back. And, and in this song, when we sing, and we sing about Jesus and his name and what he's done for us, I, I want you to begin thinking about somebody you need to go proclaim. We've, we, we've, we've accepted, we're examining, but now we need to go and proclaim. We need to share the story. I do believe what Emily shared earlier. I do believe that a man or woman who's been hurt, people in our culture have been hurt. People in our culture have been bullied. People in our culture want personal revenge. But something happens when a person has discovered there's hope in Christ. The bad things still happen in life. But when a person comes to a place where they love God, that causes them to love people. And on Tuesday mornings, they don't wake up and strap up and shoot up in our schools. We are called upon to step up, step out, and step in and share out the incredible love of Jesus Christ. He is the solution. So some of you are standing, won't the rest of you stand with me? God, I love you. Thank you for this moment. May you hear us sing these lyrics. And would you begin to open our hearts and open our minds and open our eyes. And Holy Spirit, fill us with courage to step out and share the incredible hope that we have in Jesus.